Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Optive Podcast, a podcast where John Sekatowski, Nick Gibson, and me, Andy Schmidt, will be discussing some of the hard theological and cultural topics in the Bible, bringing three different perspectives from three different generations. I hope you enjoy. And today, John is not going to be with us, so we have two guests. We have Luke Zika, who's been here. And Nicole, I forgot to ask you how to say your last name. Just try. Let's see if you can get it right. <laughs> you can do this. if you don't, I will hold it against you forever. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I got to look at what it is. K-H-K-I-L. Kale? Oh, no. I will hold this against you for right now. Did you say bad. kale? Kale. I don't Nicole know. Kale. I have probably said it from the pulpit 170 times since you started coming to the church. That's probably true, too. It's Kyle. Nicole Kyle. Kyle. Like okay. the boy's name. That's easy enough. Wow. I'm an idiot. Um, all right. So, <laughs> so yeah, they're, they're, thanks for joining us. Um, also, just before we start, me and Luke Zika got a new podcast coming out tomorrow, the Optive Music Podcast, and that'll be dropping, well, within the next couple of days because you got to get it cleared with, with the Spotify and all that crap. But um, we're going to be ranking Kanye's albums from worst to best because he's the greatest artist of all time, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> in Andy's opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I will be ranking his albums. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be fun. So so listen to that. That'll be really cool. Um, and this week we're going to be talking about music in the church and worship and uh, uh, worship within the church and also like what music Christians should listen to just like pop music or should they be listening to secular music and, and whatnot. Um, and so I actually wanted to start with, with you, Nick, with a question for you um, on what, like, where was the first uh, worship song slash poem in the Bible? Like where did, where did, where did Christians or the Jewish people start? That's sort of debatable. Okay. <clears throat> so the, the, the type of writing that Genesis 1 is is disputed a lot. And there are some people who argue that the the stanzas and the way Genesis 1 is written, that it resembles a song as much as anything else. So there's some people who actually believe that God, that Genesis 1 is a kind of divine song. Um, if you don't count Genesis 1, then in Genesis 2, when the woman is created, there's this place where the man says, this is now flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone, right? That whole bit is, you, in most translations, is put in poetic form because it is poetry and arguably a song. So, so the answer is really, really early, like either on the first or second page of the Bible. And I think also, I don't know if you have a question about this, but I think it's relevant. The largest book of the Bible in the middle is the book of Psalms. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I sometimes point out is that God could have put a systematic theology in the middle of the Bible. That would have been perfectly reasonable. And some of us would have definitely liked that better to have very specific, definite statements about exactly what he's like. Instead, he has included a book of worship songs that are written to him in a way as part of his word to us so that a huge part of revelation is both art and art written from us to him as his word to us, which is a really interesting dynamic. And so you can see how God has like this very strong value of poetry and art from the very beginning. The first people who receive the Holy spirit in the Bible are artists. They're craftsmen. Um, Where is that? It's in either either Exodus or Numbers, I can't remember. But the first two people that the Bible actually refers to as God putting his spirit on them are the artists that are supposed to make the beautiful things that go in the tabernacle, which is the place where worship happens and where God is. So from the very beginning, even when there wasn't very developed music, God was already demanding and empowering people to bring art into his space of worship. So you're saying like the, in Genesis, that was, people think that is like a worship a song or something like that? There's a number of people who believe that God not only spoke the world into existence and spoke it into creation, but that 
Genesis 1, the type of writing that is, is at least poetry and maybe song. Um, that And that wouldn't be, it, it's not weird to me that God would. And so like, and you could, J.R.R. Tolkien kind of takes this theme of that because in the Silmarillion, the book that happens at the very beginning of his like sort of made up Middle Earth world, Iluvatar, his high God, si- starts with a song. He sings the world into existence right. and singing among the strongest men in all the Lord of the Rings is always highly prominent. All of his great leaders both sing and cry. Yeah. It's fundamental to leadership in full masculinity to Tolkien. And I think he partly takes this from this theme of, because if you look at David, the great warrior of the Old Testament, he's a man of tears and a man of songs, as well as a man of blood. Yeah. So I have a question for you, uh, Nicole. Um, since, oh, I should probably tell him that you're the... You're you're a worship leader. Yes. Right. So this is what you do. Yeah. Um, that's why we have you on. Um, right. What? So why or like how does God want us to worship Him? When we think about worship, because when I think about the Psalms and I read through the Psalms, the way that they talk and the way they speak in the Psalms is, in my opinion, it's so much different than how we worship God today. Like how so? How would you say that? I think they're just so they're so much more intense and like more real. They're like it just feels like there's so much more passion and it doesn't feel like repetitive and like some of it is repetitive, but it doesn't feel so like when I'm reading through Psalms, it doesn't feel like I'm just reading the same Psalm over and over and over again. Whereas when I listen to worship music today, it's like the same song with just a couple of different chords with very similar lyrics. That's funny because I think, I don't think I agree with you on that. Like there, I can't remember which two Psalms, but there are two Psalms in particular where, um, yeah, they're exactly the same in the second. But how many psalms like are there? There's like 150. Yeah, but how, there are there's a lot of repetition in the psalms. Mm-hmm. A lot of repetition. Yeah, not just like a couple here and there. Not just that two of them are identical. There's a lot of repetition. There's also a lot of stuff that makes them unique. But um, so so I guess just to say like it's not just that they're all unique, and it's not just that worship music today is the only place where we see things that are covered similarly. Like we do see that represented in the Psalms as well. So how do you think God wants to be worshiped? That was your question. So, I mean, for that, that's, that feel that's such a complex question because like in lots of different ways, like I think that there are examples in the Psalms where you see lament, where you, where you see, like you get to the end of the Psalm and there isn't like a turn (laughs) where you see, like you just see this is, this really difficult state. I wish that you would destroy my enemies. Where have you gone? Yeah. And that's kind of like the shape of that Psalm. Whereas yeah. there are other Psalms. We don't hear modern worship songs that <laughs> well, have that. Yeah. Much. Or have that open-ended kind of like, this isn't resolved right now. I'm just sort of right. in this. And mm. so, you, so I think that there's some place for songs that should be lamenting what we experience. Mm-hmm. You also have songs that are just purely worshiping God for his attributes and his characters and things that are true of him mm-hmm. and not in his relationship to us. But then there are lots of places in the Psalms that you also see like the goodness that God has done to the person who's writing the Psalm. So it's more of the personal relationship. Some of it is more just profession of who God is. Some of it is confession of what this person is believing and experiencing. So in terms of the content, I think there's a lot of variety. One of the things that but that's just but that's just one aspect of it. That's just the content itself. Like I think that the question of how does God want us to worship him like an, an entirely different way you could think about it is with our heart, soul, mind and strength. 
and like how does that impact the music that we are singing like is our is the music that we're singing affecting our mind as well as our heart and our emotions as well as our soul and like the way that we are being fundamentally changed and transformed by God and our strength like physically what are we doing as we're singing like I mean so there's a lot so for example one of the things to think about is that the the Jewish songs in the Old Testament for example are like single culture a, a very specific set of instruments and so on and yet, so there's more in the Psalms and in the Bible about the physical posture of worshiping God than there is about the musical genre. So like whether you should use, you know, so, so to, to in, like we in the church sometimes argue about whether or not we should have hymns that are played by organs or by drums and piano and right. all that kind of stuff. And those, the, the variety of instruments, the only comments that the Psalms seem to make about that is any instrument you can get your hand on, mm-hmm. you should use it to worship God. Mm. Right. And yet there's a lot said about posture that we don't pay that much attention to. So I think that's important to point yeah. out. Yeah. What were you going to say something? Yeah. Well, and I was going to add that um, one of the big criticisms you hear about modern Christian music is that it is repetitive. Um, and there's a, there is a pretty decent video on YouTube. That's like the problem with modern Christian music. And this was the one point he made that I didn't agree with as much. Um, because there's a lot of music that is repetitive. It's not just Christian music. I think if we did just these songs that have very basic lyrics that repeat the same things over and over again, that would get boring. Uh, but I think there is something valuable to, um, like repeating something to yourself over and over again. So that's something that's not bothered me about sort of modern Christian music is that it does sometimes, it does sometimes lend toward being simple kind of repeated phrases. And that's not something that's totally new. And I, I think there is some value to that, that I just hear that a lot. It's really repetitive. And I, I don't necessarily agree with that criticism. Yeah, probably not any more repetitive than all the little love songs written by pop music. It's not any more repetitive than right. like Taylor Swift's first three albums right. or something yeah. like that. <laughs> you know, but but then I think um, it's also important to recognize that um, worship music is written to be sung with everybody participating. So you can't have like Mariah Carey like vocal movement up and down like everywhere full octaves, yeah. and you can't have um, keys that are impossible for a normal person to sing. A normal person can sing about maybe just over an octave, like right in the middle of the vocal range. And so in that sense, worship music can't be as vocally interesting as music that is sung for solo artist work. And so in that sense, good worship music is not going to be as vocally exciting as a lot of other music. And you just have to figure that in. Worship music is for the worship of God in a congregation of people, most of whom are not artistic and don't sing well. That's very different than a song written in Nashville to be put on a tape for singers to listen to, to choose whether they want to do it as a performance. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that's important in the conversation of Christian music in general too, because that, that point is something that I wanted to make sure we were able to talk about today, that there's a very diff, there's a very different type of song that we're going to do on a Sunday for corporate worship, as opposed to, for example, a song that could be sung at a funeral or a song that someone wants to have at their wedding, or even just a song that someone wants to write to God, a personal expression of what they're experiencing. So I think when we talk about modern Christian music, we have to make sure that we understand that even within that, there are two really big different genres of music in modern Christian music, whether it's intended for corporate worship or not. Right. Yeah. Well, going back, cause you were talking about, um, when 
like in a congregation and we're worshiping God and we're and like we're in music, obviously. How do you do that then within a congregation of like at high point, there's like 800 or, or however many people are, are that go to this church. There's a lot of people who all connect with God in different ways. How can you, how do you effectively, because I feel like sometimes when I actually, most of the time when I come to high point, I don't feel like I connect with God during worship. And, and that's not because like the, it's bad. I think other people connect but I feel more connected when I hear like gospel, like, 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 like black church music, like where they just like, I don't know. I just love that sound of like the choirs and all that, but we don't, we don't really do that here. And so how do you, how do you, what do you do then about that? If you have like 800 people, you know, everybody else, everybody's different. How do you deal with that? Yeah. If you can tell me the answer to that, that'd be great. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I have thoughts about it, but it's, it's really difficult. Because right, we are trying to be a multi-generational church. That already is difficult. Is that even We're, a good idea, by the way? Is it even a good idea to try to be a multi-generational? That is. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I, well, when, within, within I mean, in music, my mind, short answer, absolutely. With, with music, though. Like, because yeah, I know right. that we, like, we have broken up into different churches by race because, like, white people don't want to listen to what the black music is and black people don't want to listen to white people and then Hispanics they do their thing and like everybody kind of has their own way of worshiping God which is like culturally unique to them in the way that God created them and I don't think that's a bad thing and to be more uh, multi-generational within the music it doesn't really th- make sense to me I don't know what does that why would we try to pu- like pull everybody together to make them well, do, you mean, do you mean like multicultural Multicultural. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you even said you enjoy like black church music, you I know. So that. I think there is a lot of crossover. Um, I think the mainstream. For those who who don't know, um, Andy is a white ginger. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In case that's unclear. Right. So yes. I, you know, it's funny. I think um, in the internet age, we have collected around very specific kinds of music that have made it big, and so I, I think a lot of people can relate to very similar kinds of music. And so um, it seems like what Nicole's tried to do is have a variety within a certain window. You know, you're maybe not hitting the way fringe kinds of, of worship songs, but you're trying to hit songs so that hopefully everyone who comes, um, there's at least one song that's that sort of resonates. And I mean, we have done gospel music and we have done hymns and we do contemporary music and, and all that. So I, I think that's part of it. But you're never going to have everyone be happy with every single song. And I remember, Nicole, you even saying, like, my goal is not for a young 20 something to love every single song we're doing. <laughs> like the goal is not for me to love every single song we're doing. And I think that's, I think that's gotta be the approach, you know? Yeah. We're intentionally trying to persuade people that that's not what it should be like. That worship is a little bit like Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Like you come yeah. together and there are a variety of things and you like some things better than others. And you're, but you're there for all those different people and it wouldn't be Thanksgiving properly if it wasn't like that. And so my, like I'm Nicole's boss and I've told her like, I, we need at least one song that rhythmically pops that has some funk to it. And that usually utilizes repetition that to get somebody to increasingly more deeply connect with a simple truth. As you push through the song, there should be at least one theologically robust song. That's usually going to be a hymn in which as you sing through the song, you're building truth upon truth so that the cumul- the accumulation of truths declared affects you and your profession of them. And then, um, and then I'm like, basically then you can do whatever you want. Um, but usually it's going to also include some kind of like contemplative song where you're, uh, you're emoting and you're like sharing with God how you feel and you're right. 
and because those all do different things to human beings. And I think it's very important to realize that different cultures have different human emphases, what they emphasize. So like black, a lot of black music came out of a certain experience in America, the creation of blues, how that developed into yeah. different streams, whether it's from jazz to rap to gospel music. And it produced, it usually was designed to be uplifting to people who are struggling with external oppression and to lift people up to say, I can face this. I can face this. And increasingly as like people who don't have that kind of history, like suburban whites who are more nervous than they've ever been losing their jobs. They're inundated with all these news cycles of terrible news. They're stressed out. Like people are having anxiety like they've never had before. Gospel music has a therapeutic scope now of like the whole Western human race. So gospel music has, is a, an antidote to a certain ailment right? Theological hymns are also an antidote to a certain ailment. Like people who have very thin, weak theology that aren't rooted in the truths that they believe in and aren't proceeding towards God in love based on what he's shown and spoken and done um, are always going to be weak in their faith. And so theologically robust hymns teach the theology of the church and call people to profess the truths they stand on in a way that's robust and interworking with each other. In a way, I think it does that a little bit better than gospel music. I think it does emotional rehearsal a little worse than gospel music. So these different styles are not just different cultural expressions. They're different cultural expressions because those cultures were rooted in different experiences and therefore connect with different things in the human spirit. And so by utilizing different things, we're not just including people from different cultures and making things a little different for for people who like variety because it's a minority of people who actually like variety. What we're doing is we're actually accessing different parts of the human experience, life, and spirit by utilizing these different cultural tools and art forms. And so I think that having diverse worship isn't just about being a multicultural church. It's about being individually whole people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So when when you're writing when you're writing uh, worship music, you write worship music. Yeah, well, before we get yeah. to that, though, I do want to say, too, like I think, I think something that bothers me is when... I hear somebody say, this is usually tied to to volume level, but but not only tied to volume level, but like, oh, man, when the music just gets so loud, like it's not worship anymore. And I, I think that people can apply that sentiment to a lot of things. Maybe it's really obvious to you when you hear it in that sitting, like, or in that setting to say, oh, that person doesn't understand what worship is. But I think a lot of people do that in more subtle ways that hinder what Sunday morning is supposed to be because I can, like... You can go into a sanctuary where it's really quiet and it's mostly like, let's say it's just hymns and organ and piano and you've got people who are angry in their spirit, who are bitter towards the person they're sitting next to, who are angry at God. And it's not just the style of music that makes it worship. It's the attitude of our heart. It's the posture of our heart and our being before God that is going to affect whether it's worship more than just what the volume level is, what the genre is. And so I want people to know that and to learn that, that that worship is in some way, it's also a decision that we are making to worship God. And we can make that decision whether or not we like the music. And I think that it's a really self-focused and then stunted view of worship when we just want it to be our preference, whether that's a volume preference or a genre preference. I want to make a comment about volume. This might be a little controversial, but I think part of the reason why people struggle with high amplification in music is because before that, when people used to sing in churches with little or no amplification, you could hear everybody around you sing. And that uplifts 
the worship spirit in people because you're like, we're all singing together. We're all like one. And that's a really good thing, right? I think. Um, my friend Adam Avery from Boston says that he tries to set the volume in his church so that people feel enveloped or in the envelope of the music. That is, they feel like they're inside of something bigger than themselves. And that amplification is good for doing that, right? And I think that, that they're, that at that point, people are singing to God and by feeling like they're inside the music itself, they almost feel like they're inside the like scope of God's presence and they're singing inside of that and they just feel like they're right there. And those are both human phenomena and how we interact with volume and, yeah. and music and stuff. Like they're, they're neither one's wrong. And the, the idea that like, only one is good. And that's one of the reasons why Nicole at sometimes will try to increase the envelope of the music volume because of the one effect. And at other times she'll bring things down so we can all hear each other sing. Again, that's just another area of if we're open-minded about this and we realize how these different things artistically affect the human spirit and how we can be worshiping God and all of them and how they affect us differently, we'll be less pissy about what we like and don't like yeah. and we'll be more open to worshiping at each moment. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I was going to ask, like, what, what do you think? How then do you... I've struggled with with worship because I, I don't. I, I used to get really mad when I go to church and I p- see people like raising their hands in the air. I would get so pissed off. I was like, these Dude, people. Yeah, the, I was like, these people are so fake. If I went into their life and and was like and like examined their lives, oh, and, and like and been like, no, this is what I thought. So I was, if I if I go. And, yeah, like, right. yeah, right, right, right. He's <laughs> he's progressing. Such, such a long time ago. Um, but I was like, if I go into these these people's lives and I like really really look at them, I bet their life does not resemble this like raise your hand in the air. I love Jesus so much attitude that they're showing us on Sunday. I think it's just a bunch of crap. And I that's I hated it. I, like I literally hated it with a passion to the point where like. That was like half the reason I didn't come to church for like a long time. I like I'm not going there. Those people are, are insane. But but then I the more I've been coming back to church and like and I know that worship is important and but I don't know how to express it. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know how to express it personally. I have no clue. And I feel like that's like a like a problem that I have because I'll I'll be like singing and I know all the lyrics because I went to church since I was a little kid and mm-hmm. all the songs are basically the same. So I have them all memorized in my house. It's like it's like feels like I'm just going through the motions and I don't feel any emotion or any like connection i i don't think that i'm the only one that feels that. i think a lot yeah. of people who have gone to church their whole lives or like who have been going for a long time are they 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 get to a point where they're like i'm not i'm not feeling this anymore but how, how do you i don't know this is like an insanely like complex probably hard question but how do you stay like stay connected or get mm-hmm. connected to god through worship it's funny that you say what you do about people lifting their hands because when i grew up i i was at a really small country church it was piano and and organ and hymns and then every once in a while we would sing choruses and i i don't get me wrong i loved my <laughs> church i'm really grateful <laughs> for that like i i love hymns and i'm grateful for the church i grew up in so it but there was also something where i felt mm-hmm. like i was something was missing because i always loved music and i i wanted a little bit more variety than what i was having and then i visited my cousins who lived in colorado went to this big mega church and it was the first time that like the sanctuary was dark and I looked around and I saw all these people, particularly grown men, lifting their hands. Yeah. And I loved it. I thought, (laughs) oh, these people are uninhibited. These people are just, they want to express what they're feeling. Whereas at my church, it was like, hands down by your side, like 
never clapping. We were at this like small Baptist church and our, our pastor who is from the South was like, come on, you can clap. It's okay. We yeah. can clap as Baptists, but no one ever would. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like it was this like this freedom to finally express what I was feeling. And I think like, okay, you like sports, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Like I you do. like going to yeah. sports games. Like, I don't know. Do you like the Packers? Have you been to a Packers I game? I hate the Packers. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like uh, the Bucks. I okay. The Bucks so you've been to a Bucks yeah. game. Like yeah. when you see something exciting, you like stand up, you cheer, clap, you yeah. like, you lift your hand, you literally lift yeah. your hands in the air when you're so excited about something. Like I, I think that the physical response is a very natural thing. But what if you're not excited? That's the thing. Yeah. I can't get excited. I'm sitting there like, this is a, another song. How do you get excited? I don't know. I li- yeah, there like might I, not be an answer for that. But go ahead. Yeah. I have to. I have to go to prison here in just a couple minutes. So, <laughs> so I'm gonna give my last couple of things here. I, I'm a pastor, so I'm gonna be visiting somebody this time. Um, this time. <laughs> but I think that. So I part of this gets back to the Psalms talking about our physical postures, yeah. <clears throat> and so. Um, so in some ways, just reading through the Psalms and reading through what the Psalmist meant by different physical motions. So lifting your hands to the Lord was simply an act of devotion or worship that to lift your hands up to the Lord was a body language of worship to stand up and spread your hands out was a posture of prayer. Right. And so these things sort of signified with body language, what it is we're doing and who we think we are when we're doing it. So uh, oftentimes, sometimes I'll say, you know, put your hands out in front of you, sort of cupped open like this as, as expression to God that you want to receive from him. Right. So sometimes in worship, when I move my hands around, it's not so much, I'm just like waving them around or whatever for a cultural reason. Sometimes I do the same thing I do in my preaching where I do with my hands, something similar to what I'm saying with my mouth. And so, but I'm just getting more of my body involved because when you get more of your body involved, it usually does help you access your emotions and it helps you move around like a whole person by physically involving your body in worship. It, it tends to activate your emotions. It's one of the reasons why in black gospel music, there's a high level of body activation because it, my, um, my mother-in-law actually studies, um, uh, child cognition, like how kids learn relative to certain things. And she spent a lot of time studying um, getting kids moving and associating things with certain sides of their body and getting them to do an exercise when they're trying to learn a concept. And there's, there's just, there's a lot of research out there that like when you move your body, it allows you to do different things with your mind. It also like, I, we have a chiropractor in the church and he's just like, look, when you move your spinal cord at all, it just stimulates your whole nervous system. And so you just get more focused, more active. Your mind just works a little more keenly. Um, the different parts of your mind work together better. And so just stepping back and forth, clapping, moving at all actually has all these physiological benefits. And it's because our mind and our brain are connected our nervous system and our emotions are deeply connected. We're these composite physical, spiritual beings. What we do with our bodies is going to matter in relationship to how these things function. So using our bodies in worship, whether clapping or raising your hands or whatever, I think can be very beneficial. It's very biblical and it's meant to be expressive. And sometimes it is more of a profession than an expression. Um, what, what I mean by that is ex- an expression would be like, I feel this way. And so I'm telling you how I feel right now. A profession is, I don't necessarily feel anything, but I believe something and I'm saying out the thing I believe. So I can raise my hands. I may not feel anything in my heart, but I'm, I believe that God is, is above me in every meaningful way. Yeah. And so as I sing to him, I could raise my hands in the air and say, and express with my body, God, you are so above me. And I'm ra- I'm trying to reach out towards you and to value you. I don't have to feel anything for that to be an authentic action if it's a profession. Mm-hmm. 
Does that make sense? If you only think of those things as expressions, then it's possible for people to be doing those things and not really feeling them. And then it really is a kind of hypocrisy. And, and Nicole and I, none of us are saying, I don't think, that there aren't very hypocritical worshipers in the yeah, church. Right. There always are. The Bible attacks that. I mean, any, any kind of hypocrisy that there is in religion is in the Bible. The Bible talks about it and attacks it. And, and it is like the, the book of Isaiah, the longest prophetic book of the Bible, literally the very first chapter, he starts with, you come into my place, you raise your hands in worship, you make these sacrifices, and yet you are the blood of other people. It's the, literally the hands you raise to me, in my sight has the blood of other people on it yeah. that you've taken. And I don't, I don't accept your prayers. Right. I, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Well, that's, that's a big good. part. That's a big theme in scripture is like worship needs to be from the heart. Mm-hmm. And it's God does not accept acts of worship that's not from the heart. And so, um, but I don't think that means that you're always going to feel the super intense burning emotion. Yeah. Um, I think it is a posture of I want to meet with the Lord. Um, I want to listen to him. I want to surrender to him. You know, it's well, and I think too, like, so when Scott and I first were married and first were coming to high point, he was really depressed. And so there were a couple things related to worship music that were challenging. One is that the worship music that was more an expression of emotion, um, that was difficult for him because he wasn't really feeling that naturally. So, um, songs that would say like, that would talk about the nearness of God or the presence of God. And we're more like, I feel this presence or I feel this nearness. Like those aren't things that he could honestly say. And that was challenging for him. So when Nick was talking before about the songs that are more professional of theological truths, like those are more helpful. And I think about that a lot. Like I know there are lots of people who are experiencing depression and anxiety. And so for those people, songs that are more just like, this is what I know to be true of God. Yeah. Those are easier to sing. Now, not that we shouldn't ever do the other ones. That's not what I'm saying. But mm-hmm. the other side of it too, more related to what we were just talking about now is that Nick preached a sermon one time where he was basically saying like every time that you feel, when you feel doubt or when you feel far from God or when you feel like, and is this faith actually real? And that every time that you decide to say, yes, I believe it. I believe God is good, even though I don't feel like he is right now or something like that. Yeah. Every time you have that dissonance, but you choose to continue to worship, it does something in you. It also is a, an attack against the enemy who's trying to not get you to yeah. experience the reality of God. Yeah. And then it's an opportunity for you to change, like to say, all right, I don't, I don't feel this right now, but I believe that it is true. And, and I think it when we like when you lift your hands in an instance like that it's it is that it is an opportunity for you to say that and it does like have you ever been Andy I feel like maybe this has never been true for you because you don't get pushed around ever and like you when someone wants you to do something you kind of hate to do it but like have you ever been in an instance or maybe you Luke where you're like at a wedding you don't really want to dance at the dance but like someone really wants you to you're like ugh, the last thing I want to do is like move around right now and dance. oh my goodness oh this did happen to me yeah and then you get out there and you're like Okay, this is actually, not this that is bad. Right. really fun. At NMB, yeah. we were doing this like the guys all made dinner for the girls, and then afterwards we were going to do swing dancing. And I was like, I was, I Back set the whole thing up and I got it all going, and whatever. We made dinner, we had all that crap, and we get out, out like to do swing dancing, and I'm sitting. And I'm like, I'm not doing this. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not swing dancing. Like, like I'll do dinner and whatnot. I'm not swing dancing. And then this girl asked if, if I wanted to swing dance. And I was like, no. <laughs> and like, I could see like, 
her face was just like oh like very not happy or like just like yeah i don't know and then i like sat there and i felt like god was like like andy quit being an idiot like go go dance with her even if you look like a fool like just like if you claim that this is about the girls and like this is like whatever you need to do it and i got out there and i danced for like two hours and i was going off and my hips didn't lie and it was <laughs> that's it was fun though yeah so, right like yeah. there's there is something to that that when we do something like because what nick was saying before like our he has left for those of you listening he's gone now yeah. no more nick <laughs> goodbye <laughs> uh, but like when Let's start dragging him our yeah. our our mind is not disconnected from our body yeah. and mm-hmm. and our soul is not disconnected from our body and and there's so much about our faith that is physical when we take communion, that is a physical thing that we are doing. When we are baptized, it is a physical thing. And so we cannot say that we can disconnect our mind Mm -hmm. from our body. And so so when we do something first physically, not all the time, like it's not like a magic, you know, situation that's going to change everything, but oftentimes it does have an effect also on your emotion, your spirit, your mind, or all those things. And I do think uh, there are other ways to worship. And so if, mm-hmm. you know, when I lived in the Middle East, we would do worship music in not English. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, the musical worship for this next year is not probably going to feel like my primary mode of worship. Yeah. And so I had to find other ways yeah. to so just connect with the Lord. So I, I did start journaling. Um, I would like play guitar and sing worship songs. You know, I would just listen to worship music. Um, and I, I have found for me, worship music was really big, like early this past decade. That's when I really like started taking my faith seriously. Um, where I'd say that was really my main place of worship, but I feel like throughout the last like decade, it's expanded to other areas where I feel like, um, I genuinely experience worship in community or in a Bible study or in a personal devotion or whatever, like those are all good. So I think for people who maybe choose to go to a church where the, the, the worship's just not working for them, uh, it doesn't mean there's not other ways you can, can worship. Right. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the Mm -hmm. glory of God. Right. So, yeah. So I was going to say like, when I think of, um, worship, uh, I was getting a call. Um, <laughs> when, when, I, when I think of uh, worship, Scott. he's calling in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we got a guest here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, when when I th- when I think of worship, and this is going to sound like a very like Andy thing to say, but I think okay. of Job, like when mm-hmm. he's really, really, really like, like I think of like agony mm-hmm. and like pain. Yeah. And. I feel like in the church, we dismiss that completely on mm-hmm. Sundays, especially we're just like, we're not going to do, we're not going to worship and talk about some of the things that are like real because it can be easy. I, I understand that people come to church to like get away from their problems sometimes, which also just isn't the point of church. And I think that that's very weak, but I, th- I think, um, I don't know. I just wish that we talk about the pain and stuff like that yeah. and, and the things that are real because that was when I was in high school, my parents were making me come to church and I didn't want to come. Like I would listen to the songs and I was like, why is everybody acting like they're so happy? I'm not happy. Like yeah. I hate everybody and I hate myself and I wish everybody died. Yeah. Like why don't we talk about that? And like, I know, I know cause I read the Bible as a kid. Like I know that the, there every single major figure in the Bible went through like insane persecution and hard, hard times where they, they like, 
you know, argued with God and wrestled like uh, was Elijah literally wrestled with God. Was that Elijah? I don't want to. Okay. Who was it? Um, it was, was Jacob. 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 Okay. Jacob wrestled with like there mm-hmm. was times where yeah, these yeah. people like they went through it. They like got into it with God. Sure. Why did it feel like when I was going to church? You know, I think I mean, some of that probably has to do with all sorts of variables. Yeah. But I, I also think like <coughs> I do think that there's a quite a bit of music that we do here that's about that. Like when I when I'm writing music, that tends to be what comes out because I feel like, especially in since being married, not because of only of marriage, but like since that in that season of my life, like Scott and I feel like we've been well acquainted with grief, mm-hmm. yeah. and um, so so I, I don't know. Like I I just I don't I don't have that same experience that you do. Like when, when I think of the music in our song bank, like we have a certain set of songs that we typically choose from. There's a lot in there about suffering. Yeah. And about grief. I love uh, Amazing Grace. That's probably like my favorite mm. worship song ever. Just just plug in Amazing yeah. Grace. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, uh, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I do think grief and lament is a theme that the church doesn't cover as much as they should, yeah. for sure, generally. But part of what brought you, you out of your self-hatred yeah. was some of the positive messaging yeah, of the ooh, gospel. Right, like, right. we ultimately are a very hopeful people. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I, I think do we think just our got... culture in the U.S. wants happiness more than anything else. Like I think that yeah. we, you know, but happiness when I think of joy, yeah, but that's what I mean. Those are different things. Joy and right. suffering are like synonymous. Yeah, it feels like that within scripture. You don't find one without the other. Like two, <laughs> suffering is joy in a lot of ways. Yeah, and so you're, they're not going to find happiness and joy unless they understand what grief and pain is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was going to say w- for, for you, you write music. And yeah. so what, what is your criteria for when you're writing, um, worship yeah, music? Yeah. So I don't know if you had, so I, I took a, a, um, a class in college. It was a Spanish literature class. I think it was about poetry and I like, I'm not very, like, I don't like to read poetry in general in my life, but that's not really the point. Um, the point is that I remember learning about how like, oh, all these different styles of poems have like actually have rules to them. And I thought, yeah. I just thought art had no rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's then, what you thought about poetry? I thought poetry had no rules. Wait. Okay. Wait. Okay. Yeah. Continue. Go ahead. No, okay. say what you right. say. Yeah. <laughs> so when I was in high school, I took a creative writing class. And okay. like, yeah. I never went to school, but when I went to, I would go to this class and I, mm-hmm. uh, and we did a poetry and, and okay, I didn't turn in any of my work. I was like, this is, I, you know, school is not worth my time. But we did a poetry thing. And my teacher was like, Andy, just try poetry. And I was like, fine. And I did. And I like wrote some poems. And I ended up being like insanely good at it. Mm-hmm. All my teachers were like, why, why are you good at this? And you suck at everything else. Yeah. Like, this is crazy. And so I was writing all these different poems. And the thing that was so amazing for me with poetry was that there was no rules. That's what I loved. Which maybe that's that, that, so when there you said that I was like poetry. there are certain rules within like like haikus you have to have certain yeah. whatever but like when in, I was writing poetry I could create I could create the rules like in certain ways mm-hmm. like it felt like maybe I was doing like well I mean I think that there's cer- there's there are sorts of poetry where that's true but like thinking there's of a lot of freedom yeah but yeah, there's like, a lot of rules so yeah like I mean that's part of what was so incredible about the amount of work that Shakespeare wrote was because like it had such strict rules to it mm-hmm. and he was 
able to write these masterpieces. So anyway, so I, I feel like for me, I didn't, it took me a long time to realize that there could be both, like there could be creativity and freedom and also structure to it. So the reason I bring this up is because that's one of the things that I think has helped me to write music is just to keep trying it and just to keep working at it and then realizing there are specific things. Because I think for a long time I felt like I could only write music if it was like this magical song that was birthed out of me and yeah. like a special moment that I was so in sync with the Lord and huh. like wow this piece comes out and then I never wanted to edit it I never wanted to refine it I never wanted anyone to like sure, give yeah. me feedback yeah. on it and so so now my process of writing music like I was talking about this with my husband Scott last night he's also an artist he's not musical but he is a graphic designer and studied fine art in college mm -hmm. um and so he I like I, th I think oh, I look you should tell him to follow his Instagram. He has a good, oh, he, he makes good stuff. What is it called? It's at Scott Kyle. So that's S C O T T K H A I L. I'll put it in the, in the show notes. Description. Yeah. He, he yeah, mostly great. does portraits of athletes. Yeah. It's very, yeah. It's very good. So, um, so like I, I look for it. Like, is the content good? Is what you're singing worthwhile? Is it like, is it true to scripture? And also I've gotten pickier about this too, but I'm like, is there a main point to your song? Like there are a lot of, a lot of people who write worship music where it's kind of just like stream of consciousness worship. Yeah. Like you just string together these different phrases about God and about spirituality that aren't really connected around a, a, yeah, a main like point. Random, like a random song. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, there are songs that come out of very popular worship churches and or like that many, many, many millions of people are singing that I think are that stream of consciousness thing. Um, so a lot of people do it. It's easier. Do you have it, an example of that? Well, yeah, but I'm not going to say it. Why? It's fine. <laughs> Wait, why? Why won't you say it? Well, because I don't think it's necessary right now to say it. Sure. I don't well, know. That's fine. I was that's just curious. Like, because I don't think it's, here's the thing. That at my At that point, like, I think it's, better to be specific but one of the other things one of the other pieces is like does it hit does it land does yeah. it actually minister is it to people? memorable well not even memorable but like is it ministering to people and some of that stream of consciousness stuff is so like i don't think it's all bad yeah, I don't think like i think bethel does some of that like some of their stuff is just like yours and part of that's because a lot of theirs is um what's the word just written on the fly in a worship service that they're doing like so it makes sense that it's going to oh. be more yeah. Like it's improv. It's improv. Like improv. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like, of course that's going to be a little more stream of consciousness than if, than just like picking a theme. So I don't sure. think yeah, it's all sense. bad, but I, I think like, is this song, does it have a main point? Yeah. And mm. is that point worth singing about? So, and then yeah. like, and I th yeah. And I think if the lyrics are compelling, um, and, g and get you thinking, true and interesting thoughts about god mm -hmm. i think and some of that can be very basic like things we've sung a million times that always work but um i like worship songs i feel like they're they've they've got an imagery and a, a set of lyrics that um takes me somewhere with the lord and yeah. it's it's yeah. it creates um just a very compelling picture in my mind and that's that's one thing i look for in a good worship song for yeah sure. like, yeah I was Oh, you got something? No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so I have a question for you, Luke, because I want to get your perspective on this because you're not a worship. You're the youth. You're the you're youth a music guy. guy. Yeah, but, but I like music, but I can't. Yeah, I'm he's not like, musically talented. Yeah, you 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 love music. Except and so, for bass. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I can play the bass. <laughs> I can play a lot of instruments, but not well. None of them great. 
Yeah, so like going away from the uh, the lyrics, then like getting into the actual like production and music, yeah, um, part of it, where mm-hmm. um, there's like the de- big debate in the church. I feel like it's been going on for a long time. It's like since I was a kid at the church that I went to, there was like, do you strip it down and do you just have music that's like, you just have like maybe a piano, maybe a guitar, mm-hmm. and then just like a person singing, or or do you or do you just like go all out and you get like all these instruments and you go and you go hard and like lights and whatever and so that's kind of like the big debate it feels like within the worship scene in the church uh, what do you yeah. think like what is your perspective on that yeah i think uh i think you could go either way i suppose i am a guy who i i do like loud large sounding music i think when nick being was talking enveloped. about being enveloped i, I was about to say that yeah I, I do love the being enveloped but there's great music that i really like that is super simple i mean there's there's mm-hmm. albums that came out in the last few years that are just like violin mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's really a violin artist who i love who just is playing the violin in his records and he's really good um so it it kind of depends on how good the song is i could go either way i think variety is good i think if you're going to envelop me with an anthem and then strip it back for a track that can be really effective because yeah. it can kind of create different atmospheres um so i i personally don't i know some people don't like the big production this is just a stage show with lights and fog machines stuff i i personally like that kind of stuff but yeah. i'm not like asking my church to do that or wanting yeah. high points to necessarily do that more so i can kind of go either way on this but I'm kind of a music chameleon. I, I like yeah. sort of all kinds of music. So I even a, a simple piano church, I yeah. can I can right. find enjoyment there. Um, so that's kind of where like, I'm at personally. So when Scott and I were talking, I was asking him a bunch of questions about this last night because he's he. I would say he's been an artist a lot longer than I have. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a lot more thoughts about it. But it, one of the things he said is like. So we were talking about how there's the technical skill, there's the concept, there's like how well can you communicate it to your audience. In my And in my experience, it would be more like, how much does this song, do people want to sing this? Because I'm writing corporate worship music, right? So like, I care a lot more about the, the response and reaction to the song. But then he's like, then there's this last piece, which is like execution, which, and the way that we talked for a while about this, but I think the way I kind of have come to understand what he was saying and really agree with this. Like it comes down to like, do you have the right style and taste to understand when to use what in a moment? Like he was comparing it to sports. He's like, all right, so let's say LeBron is in the athletic positions, the triple threat. And he's, he's got like 14, like he's got 14 skills that he can do right in that moment. But what, what makes him different and better Mm -hmm. is because based on the defender he's, he's playing with based on his other teammates, like he knows when to use which one in a particular scenario. Basically he did his homework. He knew he did. He scouted the guy. He knows Mm -hmm. this exact player that's guarding him, what his tendencies are and and what he's going to do, what his next step, where where is his first step? What, what not? Like that's what he knows. It definitely is the same within music where, yeah, you've got to know you're writing on a, on a, you're writing music, but you have to know what the next step is. You have to know what the next sound is. That's going to affect the person. Right. Cause you can take a song, like you can have the demo of a song. So you've got the technique there, you've got the like the content there, but then right the production of it is this entirely other thing. Like, do I if we're gonna do a worship song, do I want to do it where it is this full band and it's this full being enveloped of sound, or do I want to think like, okay, is that really the best way to use that particular style in this moment, or is what the congregation gonna need is 
are they going to need something a lot more subdued? And where is it in the service? Is it like the very first song we're singing? Are they going to be emotionally ready for that at that moment? Is it coming after the sermon, after they've just heard this truth? Is it coming after a really emotional sermon? Or is the sermon a more uplifting sermon? Like all of those pieces, for me, at least with worship music live in a service, really change the way I'm going to do that song. And we might do the same song twice in a service. In fact, we've mm-hmm. done this multiple times. Yeah. Do it twice in the same service and we're yeah. going to play it totally differently because it needs something different in that moment. Because again, it really is about corporately all together worshiping God. And if we're giving you an emotional whiplash after this really tender moment of a testimony and then we're going to do this like big anthem, that's the wrong thing for that moment. That's like sloppy and Mm -hmm. people don't want to hear that. Yeah. Um, I want to go away from, from worship music and into like, you know, Christian the contemporary music is that what they yeah, call sure. it? And like non, yeah, yeah, non worship, like not worship, whatever, whatever yeah, you're like, going to listen to, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And then versus like secular music, and I think, yeah. So yeah. I sent you guys like five songs yes. to listen to that I found from like the Spotify top 100. It was like it, they're all within the top 10 or or something. And uh-huh. sure, yeah. And you have uh, was it Laura? Lauren, Lauren Daigle. Lauren Daigle, Daigle, who's the dollar store version of Adele. Um, oh, let's not go that far. I'm gonna go that far. I think she's a ripoff, and I I honestly. <laughs> can't stand her music and of Adele uh, I could see her ripping off oh, pop music for sure it's Adele it is it's, Adele her it's voice so is so Adele. like the yeah isn't it a little more and even poppy some of her, than Adele maybe vocally yeah no but, for sure but then yeah. some of her piano some of the piano pieces I do feel like oh come on I don't know yeah. her music I, feel well. bit, I know her yeah. like top couple yeah. you know right. so that's but when I was so you listen to you say and the beginning of you say you're like are you is this a what was that one? You've heard it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one. Oh, anyway. I recognize it's what that. you're singing. It's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that it's same like her vocal first melody? Hit. Yeah. But oh, anyway. Oh, that's funny. That's I funny. love that Adele song. Yeah. Oh, I love Adele. Right. So, so I hadn't listened to Christian music in a long time because I just got fed up with it. Like growing yeah. up, my parents were like, you can't listen to anything but Christian music. And so that made me want to listen to everything but Christian music. And mm-hmm. so like, sure, yeah. I did grow up with like Toby Mac and I really liked Toby Mac and guys like Grits. I don't know if you know Grits. Or they, know Grits. they did Ooh which is really famous now. Yeah. And, and some of these like in like Lecrae and stuff. So like these guys who, like started the, the rap scene within like the Christian realm, but, and also like Hawk Nelson. And so, oh, I the, love Hawk, Hawk Nelson. Hawk, oh Hawk Nelson. Yes. Reliant K. Reliant K. So oh, there, yeah. there were some good ones. Guys. And like, they were like, it felt like Hawk these, Nelson with letters to the president, right? I think so. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It felt like some of these guys were, were really trying to like, uh, Toby Mac's album, portable sounds to me was like really good. Cause it felt like he was, he was, was like that mixing. early Toby Mac stuff. It was, I think, his like second or third album, and and it felt like he was getting, he was really experimenting with music at yeah. the, at the time, and he was doing something different than his old stuff before that was very like rock and roll or like really in your yeah. face, and and that was fine, but but I liked the the experimenting, and I was listening to, through like all these songs in this uh, that are top one hundred right now in mm-hmm. in the Christian world, and I was like, I haven't done this in forever, and I was just like, dude, this is just boring. It's so repetitive, and, and um. So I was wondering, so going into like, like I've heard an argument that there's really no difference between Christian pop and regular pop. And I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think, um, well, what do you guys, what, what do you guys think about? Like when you were listening to the, to that music, what were your initial thoughts and what, what did you guys think about mm-hmm. all that? 
Yeah. So when it comes to the non-worship side of like contemporary Christian music, um, one thing I do appreciate about the digital age is that I just don't have to listen to it if I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I think back, that's a great attitude, honestly. Right. <laughs> like, and you don't want to. And there's problems with that. You can incubate yourself yeah. from you know, yeah. and and build a silo. But um, you know, when I first started driving, and it was just I didn't have an aux, I didn't have an iPod, I just had to put on radio. That's and so a lot worst. of times it was like Christian radio because I was just so sick of all the other stations. Um, so I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. So it's not like I have all this built up hostility toward sure. Lauren Daigle type stuff, but I will say flat out, it is just not for me. Um, I, you know, I got no problem with people liking it and listening to yeah. it. I kind of, I think it's harmless. Um, yeah, right. There is yeah. a general, what I think there is a general issue of contemporary Christian music being pretty generic and derivative um it feels like a lot of it lacks creativity because they're kind of trying to hit the most number of people um there are some artists who i think genuinely feel like they're trying to create something that has a little bit of risk that has a little bit of attitude to it a little bit of edge have uh, you, um, but a lot of it <clears throat> what's it like have you listened to torn wells new album Mm-mm. have you Andy? um no i have okay. but I, is that Outside. the dude who did um known yeah, fully, fully known. known. Yeah. Uh-huh. That, I like that song. That yeah. was good with the guitar or whatever. Yeah. Why? Uh, his new album, I think it's called Citizen or Heaven, something like that. But um, it's one that feels like it feels fresh. Like, I mean, sure. Yeah, there, yeah. Like, I'll be honest. There's a song on his, that album where it first started. And I was like, are you legally allowed to do this? Because it sounded so much like Michael Jackson. Oh, really? um, <laughs> but like, it's just, it's, it's so different. And yeah. it's, it feels like. Because here, here's the thing. So with Lauren Daigle, it does sound a lot like Adele, for sure. Mm-hmm. But here's what part of that means. that I mean, people like Ellen DeGeneres are having her on her TV show. Like non-Christians are being but exposed is that, to is that it. who we want to be represented by? And, and, honestly, because the song you say could be written to her boyfriend. That you can't, there's, like, you can't differentiate sometimes with her music whether it's written to god written for god or to god or about god or written to her yeah but i mean we could have said the same thing about reliant k yeah for sure that's why but i I think like that's i think that there's right this gets into this whole conversation of is it worth it to have these people that are a little bit ambiguous you have the same conversation about need to breathe you can have the same conversation about um not civil wars uh the oh hellos like you can have this conversation about tons of music switchfoot they were in this conversation all the time like Uh, are do is it okay to have these songs that are a little bit ambiguous to to the listener of whether or not it's about god or about something else and and i think like it's probably always going to be like yes and no like you can have the same conversation about churches is it okay to have secret churches that get people in the door yeah i mean I, I would know. say no, but, but, uh, but yeah, I, well, cause I think about God, like as he's a creative God mm-hmm. and like, um, and he created us and we're supposed to be more like him and we're supposed to be creative. And I love art, like all different types of art, whether it's music or like paintings or, um, film and, and whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I just, I feel like the Christian church now has like fallen behind in a lot of those areas where it yeah. felt like during maybe like 100, 200 years ago, like in the Renaissance and stuff like that, we, we were like, the Christians were, were almost like the driving force of art innovation. And, yeah. we're, and, and we were like, we we're at the forefront with our music, with, our, with like the paintings and the sculptures that were made. They're all Christ or biblical, like th- biblically themed and right. centered around Christ. And, and now it feels like today we're like so far behind. And, and I, mm-hmm. I, I don't like that because 
we're like, you know, I think it is a testament to what type of people are within the church in America right now. And I, and I think if we're a lot of things though, cause like, I mean, back then also you had wealthy people who were being patrons to those artists who were at, who were willing to pay them for this art. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. mean, so like my husband does portraits, Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to pay what it's worth. Yeah. Nobody right. wants to pay what it's worth. And because we live in a culture where anyone can get garage band or yeah. some like everyone can create or art. You, anyone you can start saturate a podcast it. And, you know. Everyone can start a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, everyone right. can write a book. Like all right. this stuff. So you're saturated mm-hmm. and the market is so full yeah. that the good art, like no one no one wants to pay for it anymore because they're like, well, I can just get a cheap version over here. Right. Like I think that's, so it's not just right. the sort of people that we have in the church today. Okay, but think it's about- It's also the sort of people who don't want to buy them, buy it or yeah. like we don't have patrons like we used to. Like that's a that's a part of the conversation too. But here's an argument. Yeah. Think about this. I was thinking about film and, and this is a podcast about music, but we're going to talk about film right now. Um, kind of a, a podcast about art. Art, so right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yep. And I was thinking about film and like Christian film. You think about like- they did the what was it? Like the, the pure flicks the movies. pure flicks yeah like yeah. me and my dad joke it will be like the god be with you productions yeah. and stuff <laughs> like that like all of them have those like really really cringy names and so like uh okay so you got the, those movies like uh facing the giants that most christians mm-hmm. know or what, what was the the new one that fireproof well that's fireproof new, was a good one yeah, yeah. They, they you have those ones though that yeah yeah right yeah. war room that all the christians know and the christians show up and they watch those movies they see them in, yeah. in, in theaters okay no non-believers are going to go see those movies mm-hmm. i have never ever heard a non-believer that's been like those movies make a killing though they make a lot of money because they're so cheap to make and they make yeah. a killing yeah this is a this is a beef i've had in life partially based on context so i grew up listening to um this like christian metal uh label and that's like what if if you go back to like the, so helpful to know early, about yeah, you yeah. if you go back to like the Wait, early like under aughts, oath? yeah like under oath and august burns red and all these bands were huge this is like what youth group was in like nowadays yeah. youth group kids are listening to kanye and brockhampton and stuff and back then Let's it go. was like metal yeah. and hardcore at least in my sort of youth group scene, did you have I like think. long black hair no, i have my hair was like a little emo, but not yeah <laughs> i was never super edgy but i like that music and um there was a guy who uh, sort of came out later and was like, yeah, none of these guys were Christian. Just so you know, this was all an act just to get all the youth group kids to listen to your music. And uh, that sort of struck a chord with me. And I said, huh, if you want an immediate market, just yeah. say you're a Christian band and yeah. all these kids. I mean, and like, this is I think the same criticism that Kanye is getting yes, now. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Yeah. So, That's and so, I yeah. think some oh. of them are genuine. I doubt all of them weren't Christian or whatever. I know like under oath nowadays are not Christian have gotten back on it. Um, but it was kind of like, yeah, if you want, uh, there's a market, if you want a market. Yeah. So a band like Skillet, you know, you have all these kids going to Skillet concerts. These are not kids that would be listening to new metal. (laughs) Mm -hmm. These are not kids that would be listening to this kind of hard rock, but because it's Christian, anything Skillet are genuine people from what I can tell. And it's also because they know it's a little, this is what's a little tricky about Christian art is like, Yeah. yeah, they're trying to make it. Um, and they are trying to make money, which is fine, but it, it means that, um, I don't know if these artists are all producing like yeah. the kind of music they would really want to, or if they're necessarily the kind of people who are like the best figures for us. But there's, there's also something good about like Lauren Daigle going on Ellen and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of a mixed, a well, mixed there's, bag, but 
So yeah, going back to like the when I was talking about the film. So you oh got the, yeah, you that's how that struck it because uh, you yeah. can make a Christian movie and get all the Christians coming to right, it. Right, be terrible, but they'll all love it. Yeah, they'll all love it because that's how that's what Christians do. Because they're watching something that's Christian in the movie theater. Right, and, and it like, makes well, them feel yeah. a certain way. Yeah. And so okay, but think about this. Think about this. So so those movies come out and all the Christians go see it. But like our job as Christians is one of our main jobs is to just spread the gospel, and I that can be done through art. And so I think sure. about those music. Okay, so we have film and stuff, and we're not using that. I don't believe that we're really using it for the spreading of the gospel. Besides like uh, the Bible project, I feel like they do a really good job because their stuff is like actually quality and good. But think about in 2002. Well, that's another thing. I mean, like what non-Christians are watching the Bible project. I think there's, I mean, if you read in the comments, I read the comments because I'm, oh, like, are weird. there? Okay. But people are like, Hey, like there's I'm a Muslim and I like, this is oh, great. Okay. And stuff. so, so I, I don't know. Like yeah. I, Feel more comfortable showing that to my non-Christian friends yeah, but than I do showing a uh, pure flicks movie to my right. Yeah, let's all watch yeah. Fireproof Boys. <laughs> so yeah, so in two thousand like five or six or whenever Mel Gibson came out with The Passion of the Christ, that movie shattered every record. It was a top grossing movie of all time at the time, and it was was it the top grossing at, movie? Or the top grossing time. R-rated movie? No, ever of all time, it was really? number one. I in. Fact check me, maybe you might want to look that up right now. Fact um, check at the time, so right <laughs> now, right now it's not, but it's still in the top right. like one hundred. Um, they, what Mel Gibson did was he basically just took what was in the Bible and he just put it on the screen. It, you had to read the subtitles. It was in Hebrew, and like it wasn't very. When you think about that compared Aramaic. to the uh, Aramaic, okay, yeah. <laughs> you, when you think about that and you compare it to like a Pure Flix movie, where Pure Flix movie is like it's like made to make you feel good, yeah, not. No non-believers are showing up to that, but right. this movie that was just like you got to read the subtitles. It's brutal. It's brutally honest on what the gospel was. You see Jesus being destroyed as a human being, mm-hmm. and yet millions and millions of non-believers and believers all show up to this movie because they want to see it. Yeah. And it was like that's what I view like Christian art. Could like, be. It, it could be that. <laughs> yeah, we're just like selling ourselves short because we're just trying to make ourselves feel good. And I don't, it just doesn't feel real to me. Where that was a, that was a big deal when it came out. I haven't talked to many people who haven't seen that movie. So mm-hmm. I, I wonder, like, what are we, why are we doing right. this? What, what are we doing here, you know? Well, yeah, because I think, I wonder how much this has to do with the person, like, the, the experience of being a Christian in America changing. Like in the fifties, I guess I don't know when it really stopped, but I mean, it was an honorable thing to be a Christian. Most people had morals. Most people wanted to go to church and to be seen as a religious person, as a Christian. That's not really the case anymore. And so I think when you experience that, and like Nick preached about this just this past Sunday, like, or maybe it wasn't this past Sunday, but this idea of like the persecution that people experience, like, is it, here in the U.S., is it nearly as bad as in other countries? Well, no, yes. but it still is an experience of persecution. And so yeah. I wonder how much of it is because Christians feel like they go to work and they can't express what they believe there. Their children are are being uh, conditioned and enculturated in, the, in their public schools and their neighbors don't want to talk to them. Like, and so I think, I wonder how much of it is just like, Oh, when I go, cause like some of it is when I go to church, I can breathe. And when I see this Christian movie that just helps me feel good, then I can breathe. And when I listen to this music that maybe to us feels like bubblegum, but to them it's like, Oh, but it's like, and I, I, I don't know. Like I, I think my opinion has 
has tamed a lot Mm. the older I've gotten because I used to be so over all of it like right, I yeah. could I hated fireproof and I uh-huh. hated all these you movies hated fire- oh the, my the only goodness one that I liked. it was like so <laughs> cheesy and you like fireproof I, that was like the only one that I like because I felt like it's not awful uh, uh, James James Cameron right uh, Kirk Cameron no Kirk, Kirk James Cameron, Cameron. who the James heck Cameron. is that, is that, that, that really, a director Kirk Cameron, Kirk Cameron I felt like he was an, actually like a good actor because he was like sure. a secular actor before, before he became a Christian, right? And like yeah, he became right, yeah. good through that, and then yeah. he like helped the Christians out with. It. Yeah. So, but I just think like, and I used to feel this way about Christian radio too, and yeah. And I think what I've, what I've gotten to is that like there are a lot of people who really are blessed by this. Now, are the other are the people on the other end trying to make a dollar? Like, I don't know. I don't know their heart. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. like at one point you're like, is Lauren Daigle the 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 person that we want non-christians to yeah. meet like from what i can tell she seems great so yeah. I, I mean sure i don't know like i, I don't know her yeah. like i i can't speak to that and i know that the industry is an industry and like yeah totally. there's all of that going on in there but yeah. i i think that like if we want christians to do creative beautiful things like that's mm. I, I really believe that's got to come from yeah. the church like that has to yeah. come from what we're teaching in our churches and and how empowered or not people are feeling to do creative and and good things in the arts and mm. whether or not we're supporting them and whether or not we're like like th- so he, this was really encouraging i someone at our church came up to me and was like hey i know that you guys have written a lot of stuff here like i want to help pay for it to get it recorded like that sort of thing mm doesn't happen as much anymore yeah. Yeah. that stuck out to me yeah. and was really meaningful to me that that person wanted to put the yeah. money there so i i just i think it's so complex yeah 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 it was really cool it was, it was really cool i think high point does a really good job like when i came to nick and i was like i want to do the podcast i think a lot of other churches would have been like no right. like you're <laughs> not doing the podcast mm-hmm. like with me in it because you're a stupid 20 year old who like is stupid yeah. and uh I, it, but but he was like i mean yeah let's do it and that like that actually like meant a lot to me because i i was like these like they like will believe they believe like even even if he didn't really fully believe in the idea he was willing to give it a shot or give it a try and like i believed in it and so you know to like to the support and so i guess as we're gonna wrap up soon uh one last question for both of you i think for like people my age or i guess anybody of any age who are Christians and who want to like create art mm-hmm. for God. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like what, what would you, t- what would you tell them? Like, because I think, yeah, the, what would you, what would you tell them? Uh, two things come to mind right away. One, just do it. Like get your shots up, sure, just make yeah. the art, put your pen to paper, tr- fit, write a song and finish it and say it's done and show it to someone and to have them yeah. say to them, tell me what's wrong with this. Like I hadn't written music for quite a while. And then a couple of weeks ago, I started working on a song and I sent it out. I just was like, I just have to get a draft done because I know if I, if I can at least get a draft done, then I'll just get back into the rhythm of writing. And I sent it out. I'm like, all right, tell me what's wrong. And I used to hate that process. Yeah. I, know, I was just like, you can never tell me this. It's so personal. No, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's personal, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it shouldn't have revisions and like yeah. all this stuff. And so it's just, scary to put your art out there. Oh, though. it's so scary. It's terrifying. Yeah. So like get just do the work. Like if you mm-hmm. like drawing, just draw a ton. When Scott and I were first married, he just would draw every day. I mean, he still does, but like he would draw every day and just try yeah. and do even this year. He does a new drawing every Sunday that he puts on his Instagram because he's just trying to get better. Yeah. So don't, don't see art 
only as this emotional thing. It's also a skill that you can mm-hmm. and should develop. So mm-hmm. get better. Be the best artist at whatever you're doing as you can be. So that's one. Yeah, that's good. Um, and then two, know that like to honor God with your art doesn't mean that your art only can be explicitly about God. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Like Lecrae has some good stuff about this. Um, mm. We went, Scott and, and I went F, to it. I a, mean, his music yeah, mm-hmm. is like, yeah. Because, because if we are, if we really believe that our faith and our spirituality impacts every part of our lives, then we can make art about all these things. And it can be like in some way inspired by our relationship with God or honoring to God or whatever. But like, you don't have to, you don't, you don't have to create a movie that is the passion of the Christ for it to be an incredibly God glorifying movie that inspires people towards faith. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to just be that, you you know, make something and it sucks, but God can see like God can see, like if you make something to the best of your ability and you do it to the Mm -hmm. best of your ability because you want to worship God. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it ends up being like terrible. That doesn't really always matter. Like God can see the work and effort that you put into it and that. And through that, I think that's, also worship towards him and he mm-hmm. sees that and that doesn't go unnoticed from God. Maybe it goes unnoticed from people, but it doesn't go unnoticed sure. from God. Well, and maybe it's kind of a similar thought to what Nicole was saying. I think um, listen to or consume secular art is also good. Like you can yeah. also draw inspiration. Like nothing is nothing is truly original. Like it's all yes. influenced by other stuff. And so um, yeah, I true. do encourage Christians to listen to secular music consume secular media mm-hmm. you know watch secular movies and i think um if if christianity stays in a bit of a bubble of just kind of being influenced by each other right. i think we're going to get really stagnant um which is maybe some of what's happening now but i don't i don't totally yeah. know um so yeah that's like one of my favorite shows in this in th- this conversation because i totally agree with you luke mm-hmm. is breaking bad yeah. like it's incredible art mm-hmm. in lots of ways like that scott was talking to me last night about one particular scene and like the creativity there's in some that scenes scene. of breaking bad that have stuck with me for yes. life yes and so like that is incredible and the mm-hmm. content is terrifying but yeah. the worldview is not really that far from a christian worldview totally. if you watch it and like you can have incredible conversations after i that. love finding the gospel in yeah. every movie it's pretty much every movie you can walk out and it's it's probably gonna be a distorted view of the gospel but there's like yeah at its core there's those redemption. conversations are great yeah well that's and like then, the human yeah. the core of humanity is right is a, is a right. story of redemption is like we we they crave that all of our movies right. are based around that totally. and all of our music yeah. is based around well that. and this is why someone like martin scorsese made the movie silence which is about missionaries and he's not dude, a christian i love right. that movie you know dude. what i mean yeah. like there's something in the christian story yeah. that well, i think I, is genuinely moving so that's a, i would say that's one of my favorite dude i didn't quote know unquote christian movies of the decade that, even though it's not made from a christian you <laughs> Andy's know? and it's freaking out i love that movie. it's amazing it and times. it's it is kind of like it will make christians a bit uncomfortable but it will also make non-christians uncomfortable mm-hmm. as well it's and real it's it's, real. it's insane yeah. it's a great movie have any so, of you seen um the movie a marriage story it's a netflix yes oh, I a marriage that's another a one that story I'm, is awesome with that kylo was, ren <laughs> yes kylo ren. Ren. But that, and, uh, and and uh what's her name uh, black uh, widow yeah. <laughs> so but that movie like the Cutest way couple. the storytelling yeah. was so good and the content is heartbreaking the insight into the divorce yes. process things i didn't realize i thought were and super I helpful thought, i yeah. came after i watched it i came to nick and mike here at high point and i was like listen this movie was so instructive for me being yeah. in ministry. Yeah. I think that you should have 
young people in ministry who aren't familiar with divorce watch this so that we know how to care mm-hmm. for our congregation. Yeah. It was so insightful, but but so that was an example of like the content was there, like the script was there, but like the way they told that story, like that that execution of it was just so beautiful, and yeah. I just sobbed like it affected me so much and i get that a christian's got to check their heart and make sure stuff's not pulling them in a bad direction you know but that's just a case of you yeah you gotta yeah yeah you gotta figure it you gotta figure out your own heart and what's what's pulling you in a bad direction or not but i think uh, generally speaking i encourage christians to yeah yeah watch things that are not the the most pure or wholesome (laughs) piece of media it's not gonna make you like yeah right like you said right yeah you can't go to like adult films and be like i'm learning how i'm learning (laughs) film from this you know what i mean so obviously there's songs but like i I mean (laughs) we've talked about this on a podcast for engage and equip before but like i like to contrast breaking bad with um the west wing i love the west wing you like the west Wing, but like i walk away with very different worldviews from both of those movies and i think a lot of people would be like the west wing is a lot more tame than breaking bad dude guys we sure on the surface yeah but like what is it doing to your heart? Like that's a big yeah. question. Yeah, that's a big so question. So I think your what you said, Luke, is good. Like you got to know how it's Im- affecting you, how yeah. it's impacting you. Like there was a show I was watching one time that like kind of seemed like a fine show, but then I realized eventually it's like, oh, it's trying to get you to root for an affair. Yeah. And I don't like what that's doing to me. Yeah. Because right. I don't want to yeah. be rooting for an affair. Yeah. Right. In a show, and then see how that's going to impact me in real life. Like yeah. that's not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Right. Whereas in Breaking Bad, it's not like you walk away being like, I should be a worse person no. because that's going to work yeah. out for me. Like it's the no. exact opposite. You see mm-hmm. how, how his downfall his destroys life. him. How yes. his pride and selfishness and arrogance drives him to destroy everything. And yeah. It's, yeah. You walk away being like, this is be- this is sin just put into a show. Mm-hmm. And like this is what it does to you. It, it, it obscures your mind and it it changes the way you think and it causes you it to might do even be stupid like a things. Helpful evangelism thing. You'd be like, yeah. hey, have you ever seen this? And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, that's what sin does. That's to what you. sin does. Totally. Like, that, that's it's it. Good. And yeah. Yeah. So I think I th- I think like uh, that's all really. We should do we should do a podcast on movies and like a whole separate one. <laughs> I'm already thinking. Of, I, I love that. We can rope it into the well. I guess we've already music. called it optive music. The yeah. optive music. Maybe we should call just call it optive art. Optive art. We're gonna do a survival session at the are end we? yeah so we so we can keep I, our fans uh, up to date yeah. with what's going on in survivor <laughs> survivor like survivor season yes, four dude, dude all started, winners which is all winners survivor, which Andy and I were excited plug, did you dude. watch the first episode no dude okay. it wasn't it wasn't that wasn't the first episode they did like a oh it doesn't really? matter anyways anyways we'll, anyways, talk, anyways, about, we'll talk about um, that <laughs> but even I think one last thing I want to bring up is comedy we suck at comedy as Christians and all Christians should watch The Office. But um, <laughs> all Christians do watch The Office. Dude, that show affected my my life in weird ways. It's affected but, a lot of people's lives. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so I guess that's it. So thanks. That's the last plug for The Office. Please please <laughs> go watch, watch The Office for the two of you who don't watch it already. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. But yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks for joining um, today. Yeah, and. Um, don't forget to smash that like button. No. Uh, <laughs> subscribe. <laughs> subscribe. No, I, I, honestly, sub- subscribe, follow, give us some some five stars. Tell your follow friends. Follow us on Wolf. Uh, on Wolf, yes, dude. Um, and uh, do not forget that the Optimus Music Podcast is going to be out within the next couple of days. After that, it'll be like every other Saturday or something like that. We'll do some special ones. We'll figure it out. Um, and it's going to be really good, and you're not going to want to miss it. So thanks for thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you in the next one. Bye-bye.